Welcome to the Finding True Health podcast. There are so many people and voices out in the world teaching about health, and many of them are teaching helpful and wonderful truths, and many of them are not. (laughs) So how do we determine what is truth and what is not, and who we should listen to and who we should not? We're going to be going a little deep today, so buckle up. I'm excited to dive in. Let's get going. Are you ready to be done with diets, done trying to mold your body to fit unrealistic beauty standards? Do you want to create a healthy lifestyle simply to feel better and have more energy each day? Do you want to finally find food freedom? Hey, I'm Jenna, a registered dietitian nutritionist. Not long ago, I was an overwhelmed mom and struggled to make myself a priority. I hated my body and wondered how I could stop beating myself up every time I looked in the mirror. I also felt frustrated about my health and wished I could get myself to exercise consistently, eat more vegetables, eat less sugar, you know, actually do the things I knew could improve my mood and energy levels. But I kept telling myself I didn't have enough time or motivation or willpower or, well, you get the idea. But with some help from God, I was able to turn my health and life around. And I want to help you do the same. In this podcast, you'll find trustworthy nutrition information, critical mindset shifts, and actionable advice so you can feel better, fill your life with sustainable, healthy behaviors, and be confident in your own skin, no matter your size. So if you're ready to make peace with chocolate, but love your salad too, this is the podcast for you. Hey friends, how's it going? Happy spring. Spring is finally here. The birds are chirping. The weather's warming up. My allergies, my seasonal allergies have begun. I've had to rely on some Claritin to help stop from sneezing all day long. But I do love spring. It's such a beautiful time of the year. Before I get into our topic today, I want to remind you one more time to go check out my free class if you haven't already over on my website, jennawaite.com. There's a tab up top for free stuff. And I've got a free course that's going to help set you on the path for putting the struggle with food in your body far behind you. Of course, we talk about that a lot in this podcast, but that class just gives you a few really quick essential lessons and viewpoints. It helps bust some myths that you've likely been believing to really help jumpstart you into that journey. It's completely free. Once again, just go to jennawaite.com and you can find that free course. All right, let's dive into this fun topic today. I'm curious, are you ever confused by conflicting health claims? Maybe I should say, how often are you confused by conflicting health claims? Because the world of health is a beautiful and crazy one. One of the main reasons that I decided to study nutrition in college and become a dietitian was because I was so confused. My parents were pretty health conscious And they raised me with certain ideas and philosophies about health. My grandma was really into herbs and supplements and kind of alternative health ideas. And we had some health books lying around the house that I would look at once in a while. And I would find that one health book claimed this and the other health book claimed the exact opposite. I read in one that milk was really good for you and you should be drinking a lot, especially as a teenager. And then I'd read in the next one that, no, milk is terrible for you and you should never have it and it causes mucus and 
digestive issues and all these other things. And I would hear somebody say, breakfast is the most important meal of the day and you should make sure you eat it every day. And then I would hear somebody else say, no, you should never eat breakfast. It's terrible for you. (laughs) And I just wanted to know what was really true and what was really healthy. I wanted to be healthy. And I just didn't know how to do it because everybody taught health a different way. So one thing that I really appreciated about my education in college was learning the scientific method and learning how to find evidence-based information, using reliable research studies, how to tell if a research study was reliable or not, using data-driven information to help make decisions, learning about the human body and how food is processed and broken down within the body. All of that information was super, super useful. And I try to bring that information to you here in this podcast. But even I will admit, science is not foolproof. I mean, I guess science is foolproof. It's the fact that human beings are conducting that science that is the problem. We are fallible. It's pretty much impossible to get a research study without a bunch of outside influences. When you're when you're doing research on like lab rats and things like that, it's a little easier to be more controlled. But when you're doing them on human beings that are so dynamic and complex and so many different things go into our health and how people report things and how they understand and interpret things. I mean, you've got humans conducting these studies and you've got humans participating in these studies. And so we cannot expect perfection in these studies. You also have to remember that nutrition is still a really new field. It's only been around for, I mean, less than 100 years, which really isn't that long. And so we are constantly learning more. We're getting more information all the time. And really, in every field of science, we are constantly learning and improving. And that's how it should be. The funny thing is people get mad about that. They see what was recommended 10 years ago and see that that's not recommended now. And so then they throw their hands in the air and say, well, science is bogus and we shouldn't trust any any scientist or any scientific study. And That's just not how learning information works. We learn line upon line, precept upon precept, and it's going to be that way forever. And we can only do the best we have with the knowledge that we have right now. We have to remember too that the human body is so complex. How food reacts in the body is complex. These aren't simple issues that we're dealing with. So I just hope that people give a little bit of grace and little patience with science and scientists and studies and people who report and try to share those studies and try to guide people in the right direction based on the evidence we know right now. Now, I'll also say that there are lots of people with really pure intentions who misunderstand studies, who don't know how to look objectively at the science or how to really read a study or how to determine which studies are quality and which are not. And you've got those people spreading a lot of false information. You also have, and I think these, this group is, is fewer. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt and believe that most people generally have good motives. But there are a group of people out there as well where it's just about the money. They're ignoring the science. They maybe even know that what they're teaching is harmful, but they want to make money ignoring the evidence and creating non-effective, sometimes even harmful products makes them money. So that's kind of my soapbox on using science and research to help make our decisions, but also knowing that it's not a perfect 
infallible system. And we're going to talk a little bit more about all those things as we dive into this model of determining truth that I really like. This model comes from a gentleman named Jacob Hansen. He's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and so he often talks about using this way of, of finding truth in more of a religious and theological aspect of how we can really say that we know anything is true, we know God is true, or Jesus Christ is real, how we can determine truth from falsehoods. And I really appreciate the work he does. But I found as I kind of dove into this model of his that this really is how we can determine truth of any kind, including truth within the field of health. Now, this can get really philosophical and complicated if we want to dive really deeply into this topic, which isn't the point of this podcast episode. Uh, For those of you who are familiar with philosophy, which I am not super familiar, I really enjoy philosophy and I know a little bit, but that's definitely not my field of expertise. But I do know that there was the gentleman named Descartes who concluded that the only thing that we can really know of a surety is that we ourselves exist. That's where the quote, I think, therefore I am, came from. But we can do the best that we can based on the information that we have, and we can put our faith in the things that we choose based on what Jacob calls these witnesses of truth, these different ways that we can use to determine truth. So I'm not saying this is the only way to look at determining truth or that we couldn't debate some of the aspects of this philosophy, but I still think it's a really useful way of looking at things and of finding truth. So Jacob pinpoints five specific ways to find truth, and he admits that none of these ways is is infallible, that every single one of these ways has room for error, and that by trying to use a combination of these different ways is when we can start feeling more comfortable with saying something is true or not. So the first way he points out is our reason. What makes sense in our minds? Again, we can never be 100% sure based on reason because we're all flawed. We're imperfect humans. We understand things to the extent with which we have the capacity, which we all have limited capacities in certain ways and reason isn't flawless, but we have all been given brains and I think we are expected to use them. And so many times I see in health, people just throw reason out the window when they hear of a new diet. And it just baffles me that we're willing to do that. Does the carnivore diet make sense? Does it make sense that our bodies would thrive on only eating meat with no grains, no fruits, no vegetables? I mean, if you have just a basic understanding of how the body body works, that doesn't make reasonable sense. And that's pretty close to how I feel about keto. Does it make sense that really like basically cutting out an entire food group, a food group that is so important in our body's ability to function optimally and our brain's ability to think optimally, cutting out carbohydrates and just relying on protein and fat for survival, does that make sense? Is that reasonable? Relying on acidic ketones to provide energy for our bodies and putting our bodies in a constant state of stress just so that we can lose weight. So if you're ever introduced with a new diet or eating plan or the latest fad diet out there, then first just take a minute to use some reason and think, does this make sense with how bodies work and how bodies function optimally? 
The second way to determine truth that Jacob points out is our intuition. Does this feel right? What feels like truth to us? This is just something innate within us. And again, our feelings can lead us astray. We're not always perfect at feeling truth, but we've definitely been blessed with intuition with certain things. For example, we would probably all agree that intuitively, we would never starve a baby because we think that it needs to look a certain way. When a baby cries because it's hungry, our intuition tells us that we need to feed that baby. Intuitively, we know that that's the right thing to do. Most of us don't feel right that people are being shamed or discriminated against because of their body size. There's just something that feels wrong about that. But then you get into these areas where it gets messy. Our intuition can get clouded because of societal messages. We kind of let that intuition go out the window and we tell certain people that they should only eat 500 calories a day because they have to shrink their bodies. And I've heard people in large bodies say things like, it feels like people would rather I have an eating disorder than be in a big body. And that's how diet culture can just mess with us and take away that intuition. Like that doesn't feel right that we should be encouraging and punishing people like that in the name of health based on the size of their body. All right, so we've got our ability to reason, we've got our intuition, and then the third one is our sensory experience. What can we personally see, feel, touch, etc., and experience personally? You might think that this way to determine truth is infallible, but it's actually true that our senses can deceive us at times. But they can also be a really strong and reliable source for learning information. Intuitive eating is really big on encouraging people to tap into this source of knowledge. What is your own body telling you? What are your personal signals of hunger and fullness? What do certain foods and different amounts of foods feel like in your body? For example, how do you feel when you drink milk? What happens when you eat one cookie? How about when you eat eight cookies? Which foods do you personally enjoy eating and get a lot of satisfaction from? And which ones do you just hate eating or you feel really lousy after eating? Using our own personal senses is going to give us so much knowledge in a lot of ways in what good nutrition and health look like for people in general, but also for us specifically, for our own specific life circumstances and bodies and our particular DNA. Really tuning into those sensory experiences can be a huge source of knowledge for us. All right, the fourth way we can gain knowledge is through authority, authority figures. What have trusted people within whatever field you're trying to learn about? What have they said? What have they learned? What do they recommend? This can be a great way to learn about health and nutrition. But when it comes to seeking particularly nutrition advice, you have to be really careful here, like I mentioned earlier. Just because someone is a great doctor or a great life coach or personal trainer or social media influencer, that does not mean that they are qualified to give you reliable nutrition advice. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people in those fields that 
do know a lot about health and nutrition and do have great advice to give. There certainly are those who take the time and the effort to educate themselves using reliable sources, using the evidence-based data that we have. But I have seen so much bad and even dangerous advice being given by people who act like an authority in nutrition, but really who have little to no education in the area. Now, I'm also not saying that every dietitian knows everything there is about health and nutrition. I certainly don't claim to be perfect or all-knowing in this area. And to be honest, there are fellow dietitians that I strongly disagree with on certain topics. But as a whole, at least dietitians work from an evidence-based model. We have a certain number of years of education, and like we've talked about, evidence-based doesn't mean flawless, but it's much more trustworthy and reliable than, say, personal anecdotes, which a lot of these other people are basing all of their information just on their own personal experiences. I'm confident in hosting this podcast because I do feel like I have a lot of knowledge in this area of health, and this knowledge came from other authority figures, from learning from professors and scientists, but it also came from the other areas that I'm talking about here, the personal experiences that I've had and the knowledge that I've just gained through these other ways of learning truth. So I'm not saying that those ways of learning truth aren't valid and aren't worth sharing, but they need to be combined or at least shared within the framework of the general base and guidelines that we have that we've also learned through science and research and such. Now, you're probably listening to this podcast right now because you trust me, at least to a degree, to give you reliable information and to be an authority in this field, which I really appreciate, and I definitely do not take that trust lightly. And I learn from and put my trust in people who I feel like have earned that trust and who who give reliable information. Now, that being said, I also don't think we should ever just blindly trust what an authority figure says. Even with those that you do trust to give you reliable information, I encourage you to always use these other methods of finding truth that I'm talking about here to test whether it holds true for you and for your life. I don't ever want somebody to listen to my podcast and then just go blindly do everything I say, even if it doesn't work for their life, even if it find that it's making them miserable or harming them in some way. I want you to use your own personal wisdom and other sources of knowledge that you've gotten for making decisions for yourself. All right, and that brings us to the last way that Jacob Hansen talks about of for how we can come to know what is true, and that is by noticing the outcomes of applying that truth in our life. What are the fruits that are produced by following the advice that a certain authority figure gives you or what your intuition is telling you to do or or whatever? So for example, what happens when you start a daily exercise routine and you do it over the course of six months or a year? What are the fruits of that action in your life? What happens if you try adding more fruits and vegetables to your meals each day or try limiting the number of processed foods you're eating? What are the outcomes of those behaviors over the course of a period of time? Are they producing good fruits in your life or bad ones? 
What are the outcomes that come from stressing about the number on the scale or obsessing about food and being afraid to eat certain types of foods? What does that lead to? What are the outcomes in your life? By really paying close attention to what happens when you put certain practices into place in your life, that's going to show you whether that's a good and positive and therefore true piece of information or whether that is leading you down destructive paths that are making you miserable or unhealthy. So those are the five areas that Jacob calls witnesses of truth, five ways we can learn what truth is. Once again, those areas are reason, intuition, sensory experiences, authority, and outcomes. Now, these areas all interplay together. So for example, often our reasoning is based on our sensory experiences or maybe something we're taught by an authority at some point in our life. And our intuition can be swayed by any of these other categories. And people with authority use each of these other categories to learn for themselves and to gain that authority. So it's really hard to like completely isolate any one of these five points. But I really like kind of breaking it apart and thinking about it in this way and thinking about all the different ways we have to gain knowledge. Now, because I'm religious and I believe in God and I believe in what we call the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit and its ability to help us know what's really true and to show us the truth of all things. And I think that that Holy Spirit can work within any of these five categories as well to help us really recognize and feel truth. And also, like I mentioned, each of these areas is fallible. It's subject to error. But if we use them all together, or at least as much as possible, then that's when we can find real truth. So let's say you're presented with a new piece of health information and you want to know if it's true or not. Try and use as many of these different methods as possible to determining if that's true. Use your reason. Does it make sense logically? How about your intuition? How does it feel? Does this feel like something that's true? What are your sensory experiences telling you? What have the trusted authority figures in that area said about that topic or that piece of information? And what, if you do decide to implement it in your life and to try it out, what are the outcomes that it brings? Sometimes you might only be able to use two or maybe three of these ways of determining the truth. I don't think that you should apply every single bit of advice that you get in order to find the outcomes of each of them, especially if it's one that you feel like would be harmful. So you might not be able to use that one in a lot of areas, but try and use as many as possible. So that is what I wanted to share with you today. I hope you find that helpful. I hope that that empowers you to know that you don't have to just trust me or somebody else on everything to do with your health. I'm here to help and I will certainly help as much as possible. And I love working with people and helping to guide them to really find what true health means for them and how it looks in their life. But ultimately, I want you to be the ultimate authority over what health looks like for you and showing that you have the ability to determine that truth. I know this was kind of a deeper episode and I hope it all made sense. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, real quick before you go, if you found this episode helpful, could you do me a huge favor and take just a minute or two to leave me a rating and review? 
It really helps the show get found by more people. And it just lights me up to know that the show is helping someone out there and that I should continue putting out more episodes. Thank you so much.